Welcome to There is a Season, the Bob and Gloria Show, the show about how we change, how we age, and how we care for one another. I'm Bob Wolf. And I'm Gloria Shanahan. Thanks for joining us again today. Well, I don't know about you, but after the winter and the last year of lockdowns and masking and social distancing and all that, it seems to me that a lot of people just want to get out, out, anywhere, anyway. Our feeling hunkered down in our homes for working and schooling and familying has been swell, right, Gloria? Oh, yes. Absolutely <laughs> swell. It is time to open the windows, open the doors, and get out. I think I know what you mean. It certainly seems like there's been an uptick in traffic and people looking to cast off this past year to just be out, you know, enjoying the warmer temps, sunshine. Great for that vitamin D we should all be taking anyway, uh-huh. right? Yeah. And a lot of the good things about life that we've kind of missed out on. Well, we don't have a 100% guarantee that we've seen the last of COVID or that we won't still have complications related to that scourge for months, if not for years ahead. But the sense of opening up for a lot of people is undeniable. Have you started any green thumb activity? How's the garden and all that stuff going? Are you doing anything there? Well, I've cleaned out parts of my garden and I've you know my thing is I got out my table and chairs under my gazebo on my deck and I've been enjoying sitting out there is it it's it's an incredible feeling isn't it I love it yeah Yeah. once it gets warm like that, it's great now amidst the desire to get out there comes the recognition that we've been tucked in our houses for a lot of the last year and if we've been in our houses that means what Gloria we've been keeping it company Did you say keeping it company? Well, yeah, it. Whether we've had family around or not, it is always there. And it is not going away anytime soon for most of us. You mean COVID? No, 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 no. Not COVID. It. Our stuff. Our junk. Our clutter. Oh, 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 yeah, you're right. Clutter. My junk. Oh, yeah, and you have some, Bob. Yeah, well, you know, people in glass houses. Mm. And you know, with my clutter, I've become very attached to it. Oh, I know. You should see the garage. Oh, I have. Exactly. You and most of America. In fact, according to the industry folks who keep track of this stuff, not only do Americans have strong attachments to everything already in their homes, they also have a strange attraction to the stuff not in their homes. What do you mean? Well, according to the self-storage almanac, if you can even believe there's such a thing, There's about two, are you ready? Two billion square feet of storage space in operation in the United States today, which is enough for every person to have nearly six square feet of storage space. Now, I think in past years, it's been said that the entire population of the United States could actually fit under the roofing of all the storage facilities and structures. And the industry adds over 50 million square feet per year nowadays. Now that's a lot of crap. Uh, Excuse me, stuff, (laughs) junk, clutter. Bob, we're addicted to it. We're in a bad addictive relationship with our stuff. You know, it could be another reason people want to run outside now that it's gotten warmer. They need to get away from the stuff, from that clutter. They need to escape, but they can't. Seriously. There's a psychological connection to our stuff, our clutter, 
and it's just not healthy. Well, one person who's discussed this, uh, the psychological relationship we have with our clutter is named Mia Daniel. And she writes that nobody has to tell you about the psychological effects of clutter. It's that classic family movie scene where the kids have destroyed the house and the mom is standing there open mouthed in, you know, horror. There's a reason those scenes exist. We can all empathize with the idea of feeling defeated by mounds of clutter. Movie drama aside, there's a certain peace that comes from letting go of things. When you release painful or stressful belongings from your environment, you give yourself a unique opportunity at a fresh start. Now, author Tisha Morris ref refers to clutter as stagnant energy, Bob. She says, where there's clutter in your home, there will be clutter in you, either physically, mentally, or emotionally. It's quite, it's, it's not just a practical thing of stuff lying around. There's this connection between ourselves and the stuff. And, and she goes on to say that she recently went through her closet and removed all of the items that she was just not wearing. No matter how potentially useful it could have been or how cute it may have looked hanging pristinely on its hanger, if it wasn't going to make its way onto her body, she said, she relocated it to a local donation center. And now when she looks at her closet, she smiles. She sometimes says she even leaves the closet door open on purpose. Now that sounds weird, right? But what she has found is that having fewer options in this area actually allows her to focus more easily on what to wear every day. That's interesting too. And we're going to talk a lot about these different aspects of clutter. But if you bought something that maybe never got worn... It's, you know, oh. still has a tag on it, but it was hanging in your closet. And you're thinking, I'll wear that come spring or summer or whatever. I must wear it because I bought it. <laughs> yeah. And then to the thought that you would actually get rid of it. I mean, for most people, there's, you know, it just goes against the grain. Mm. Well, it turns out there's scientific evidence to support the negative feelings we get when we're surrounded by clutter and the positive feelings achieved when we declutter. Psychology says this whole thing is not so weird at all. Right. Now, there is a garden variety of reasons that we have our clutter. Uncontrolled consumer impulses, emotional sentiment, memories of the past, fear of a future need, guilt or obligation, and hope for a future change are some of the most common. And I know I have felt all of those at any given time when confronted with my stuff. Mm -hmm. What about you, Bob? Well, uh, I, I don't know that I feel all of these things. Uh, I suppose I do. I mean, the, the ch and my brother and I have been having this conversation for a while now, uh, dealing with some of my parents' past stuff. Uh, and he talks about every box he gets into is several lost hours, you know, emotionally. It's not just a matter of just pitching it and saying, oh, well, I'll throw that in the dumpster, because there's stories attached to what's in that box. That's right. And, emotional sentiment and memories of the past. And as, as, as emotional beings, uh, Mia Daniel writes, we have the tendency to infuse our belongings with emotion. In many ways, we perceive these items as being a part of us or an extension of ourselves. And this makes the process of decluttering very painful for many people. Now, she says her partner has kept the same pillow since childhood. <laughs> this sound familiar to anybody? She didn't want to get into great detail about how gross this 20-something-year-old pillow <laughs> is or how uh, the required red flannel pillowcase does not match any of the bedding in the house and so forth. But she had had a discussion about this pillow with her partner. But at the end of the day, aside from being hidden beneath other pillows, she realized it's not going anywhere. 
<laughs> I think it's, we all have something that we want to get rid of that someone else right. doesn't, right? That's the pillow that's going to stick around. Right. Now, while our belongings may not all be cherished friends of old, they do tend to say a lot about us. Jesse Scholl, who is a writer for the health website experiencelife.com, proposes that different kinds of clutter signify different emotional messages. So she says, for example, if your clutter consists of other people's stuff, then you probably have issues, she says, with boundaries. If your clutter is largely memorabilia from your past, then you may have trouble letting things go, forgiving, or feel like your best days are behind you. And if you're holding on to unused items, you likely have a fear or distrust for the future, or you wish you were something you're not. See, we're getting into some pretty some real deep personal, things, aren't we? I'm starting to get uncomfortable already. All those brand new art products you've used maybe one time, the idea of peacefully passing your time as an artist. Well, it may have sounded better than the act of doing it yourself. Same thing with writing or, or a lot of these things we think we're going to do, right? Well, it says here in the article, you're going to need your full lifetime to develop into the most badass version of yourself. There's no time to pretend to be someone you aren't. Oh, that hurts. It does, Bob. <laughs> and it also talks here about unfinished projects. Uh, Morris says, a lot of times that stems from perfectionism. It will never be good enough, not perfect enough. So they just won't finish it. They'll leave, they'll leave the, oh gosh, this just really cuts too close. They leave the project in a sort of, you know, I'm working on it stage, right? Mm. Unfinished projects are reminders that we have failed at something we set out to do. It's certainly a downer and it's an eyesore. Yeah. So, you know, she closes her idea there with, at the end of the day, you know, our, ref our homes really are a reflection of our minds. They really are. Yeah. And, and for a so, lot of us, they're cluttered. Right. So then she, she asks everybody the question. So what exactly are the psychological effects of clutter? And the number one example that she gives is stress and these increased cortisol levels. The most obvious psychological effect, she says. So it should be no surprise to people that clutter definitely impacts our health. She goes on to say that an article in the New York Times cites research done at UCLA, and this study observed 32 middle-class families. They found that all of the mother's stress hormones spiked during the time they spent dealing with their belongings. And in case you're wondering, the stress hormone they were studying here that they speak of in the, the uh, study is cortisol. So how much of an impact does this have on our daily lives? Dr. Rick Hansen, author of Hardwiring Happiness and speaker of various TED Talks, explains how cortisol can result in actual structural changes to our brain that cause long-term sensitivity to stress. You can see how this becomes a vicious cycle. You know, the stuff is there, creates, creates this cortisol, the cortisol affects the brain, but the stuff doesn't go away, so you keep going through this thing all the time, right? Yeah, stress, especially if it's chronic and severe, gradually changes the structure of the brain, so we become aggressively more sensitive to stress. The mind can change the brain and the brain can change the mind. So being stressed on a daily basis actually changes the physical structure of your brain to be even more sensitive to stress. They say, you know, keep that in mind if you're already feeling some chronic stress. One of the other things that was pointed out in this article is that uh, having a lot of clutter around creates feelings of shame or inadequacy. Tidy homes are an indication of having it together, especially for women. So cluttered environments can result in feelings of low self-worth. In fact, disorganized homes are often linked 
to depression. So what you surround yourself with reinforces thoughts you already have about whether or not you have it all together. And it directly reflects what you're willing to tolerate in your life, what you feel worthy of experiencing. And she goes on to say, we hang on to far more objects than we need. And instead of motivating us, they become talismans of guilt and shame. Oh my, heavy stuff here. Of course, you don't have that because you have it all together, Gloria. There's no question. I don't know about that. I try. It is the season to rid, to pitch, to donate, to free ourselves. I'm going to get up on a soapbox here in a moment. When we come back, we'll talk more about our clutter, what it's doing to us, and why we hang on. And later, we're going to give you some hope about how you can slay the dragon of clutter. Stay with us. You are listening to There is a Season on AM 1290 and 95.7 WHIO, Dayton's News and Talk. It's our Ask the Expert weekend on the Miami Valley Radio Station with breaking news, weather, and traffic. 1290 and 95.7 WHIO, Dayton's News and Talk. It's an Ask the Expert weekend on Dayton and Springfield's 24-hour news, weather, and traffic station, 1290 and 95.7 WHIO, Dayton's News and Talk. Welcome back to There is a Season. I'm Bob. And I'm Gloria. Would you look at that garage? You know, the one you can't park your car in? What about your basement or that attic? What about the junk drawer in your kitchen? What's that? You have more than one junk drawer? (laughs) And what's up about those baskets from Ikea? The office organizers? That closet you won't go near? Oh, and then there's under the beds. Oh, It's it's everywhere. And truth be told, most of us are guilty of holding on to way too much. We were just talking here offline about if you go through most neighborhoods in your area, you'll find homes and most of the cars are out on the street, right? Or in the driveway. (laughs) 75% of America uses their garage for storage, not for parking a car. Interesting. And the reality is most of us typically don't feel very good about it. And one person who's written about this is Mia Daniel, who has the website miadaniel.com. And she's talked about the massive psychological effects of clutter, according to science. And she talks about how it distracts us from focusing. Clutter is distracting. It causes our brains to shift into multitasking mode, which happens to be incompatible with focus. While juggling your thoughts may sound impressive, it tremendously increases the amount of time taken to complete tasks. Princeton University takes their study beyond just the psychological effects of clutter. They found scientific evidence in a study that showed multiple stimuli present in the visual field at the same time compete for neural representation by mutually suppressing their evoked activity throughout visual cortex, providing a neural correlate for the limited processing capacity of the visual system. Whoa. (laughs) Clutter in our sight then competes for brain resources, what they're really saying here. It prevents focus and it limits our brain's ability to process. Now, Mia Daniel goes into a detail about how to avoid this in her masterclass called the Holistic Clutter-Free Formula. And we can give you some information about how to get hold of that later on. So we're talking here about distracting from our main focus. It also has behavioral effects. Psychological effects of clutter on our own sanity are bad enough, but it turns out that our kids, interestingly, are not unaffected. A study published in the Journal of Applied Developmental Psychology shows the effects of chaotic environment on children. Noisy, crowded homes characterized by a lack of routines may undermine children's ability to regulate their emotions and behavior and may provide children with opportunities to act out. But let's be real, Bob. Clutter doesn't only affect our kids' behaviors. 
it affects ours too. Our energy is derived from our environment. Now, you wouldn't feel very relaxed if you went into a spa with a horror theme in design, right? (laughs) That's an interesting concept. (laughs) Sterile environments make us feel uptight, but cluttered environments make us feel defeated. Like, nah, I think I'm just going to munch on potato chips on the couch today. (laughs) If your house is a mess, you're like, where do I start, right? Yeah. So if you're wanting to create something or move yourself to another level in some area of your life, she says, the very first step should be to get your environment in check. Make sure that your surroundings are supporting the energy and the change that you're wanting to experience. So as a brief recap here, the four psychological effects of clutter are stress and increased levels of cortisol, and that becoming long-term, feelings of shame or inadequacy, distraction from focusing on other things that would improve our productivity, and negative behavioral effects for ourselves and our kids. Oh my, is this not a serious thing? It really is more than just saying your house is a little messy, right? We're all going to be purging today. Much more still ahead after the news, including how to get free, how to start uncluttering your life. Maybe you're going to move soon, right? Maybe you just want some mental peace, and we'll tell you how to get there next. You're listening to There is a Season on AM 1290 and 95.7 WHIO, Dayton News and Talk. It's our Ask the Expert weekend on the Miami Valley Radio Station with breaking news, weather, and traffic. 1290 and 95.7 WHIO, Dayton's News and Talk. It's an Ask the Expert weekend on Dayton and Springfield's 24-hour news, weather, and traffic station, 1290 and 95.7 WHIO, Dayton's News and Talk. Welcome back to There is a Season, the show about how we change, how we age, and how we care for one another. I'm Bob Wolf, And I'm Gloria Shanahan. And I have a lot of stuff. Or, I still have a lot of stuff. Yes, you do. As you know, Bob, I've been really trying to get rid of clutter for some time now. And I've shared my successes with you, haven't I? Yes, you have. You, they've actually been inspirational. Oh, you wouldn't know. But there's still more to do. <laughs> what are you saying? Mm. <laughs> there's still more to do here and there. I think most people could say that. It's easy to sit back in shock about hoarding, you know, things we've seen on TV. And there are reasons for that kind of thing. But... Back from that degree of clutter, most of us have way too much stuff in our homes and lives. We just do. Now, one thing we haven't talked about in our program so far are generational differences. Is everybody the same with clutter and stuff? Well, it seems that not all of us engage with our stuff and our family's stuff in quite the same way. From the article by Emma Bowman that appeared uh, in NPR, it's called, But Do I Love You? Tips for Homebound Declutterers. We have the following. Now, the kinds of stuff that people accumulate, as well as their emotional attachments to it, often vary between generations. An idea that Julie Hall explores in her new book, Inheriting Clutter, How to Calm the Chaos Your Parents Leave Behind. She goes on to say that the Depression-era generation, for example, has a paper hoarding problem. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. (laughs) Quote, having survived the Great Depression... I think there was just a general distrust in financial institutions, as well as people that they just dealt with on a daily basis, Hall said. They kept all their receipts, okay? And, you know, she's thinking here of a 102-year-old client of hers who kept all her tax returns dating back to the World War II years. Oh, my goodness. Julie says, I told her we can let these go now and shred them appropriately. And the client's response was, I don't trust this country. (laughs) 
<laughs> well, it's true. Think about that. I mean, even if, like, let's say you have your own business, right? They tell you to hold on to receipts and, and tax forms and all that for, what, seven years, I think, is what most accountants will tell you in this day and age of all these digital documents. And people often hold on to things much longer than that. I mean, I, I've gone back through drawers and boxes and found utility bills from the early 2000s or something going, what in the world am I holding on to this for? I have asked you, I think, that exact same oh, question, Oh, like I said, Bob. like I said, people in Living glass houses. Living glass houses, yeah, I know. Now, part of the baby boom generation herself, Hall said her cohort's pain point is the emotional ties wound up in the items their forebears valued. But the millennials, guess what? They don't want your stuff, Bob. Our children have no emotional attachment to some of grandmother's possessions, according to the article. In fact, they don't even have much attachment to some of their mother and father's possessions. I can see that families are going to have some good dinner time conversation now. <laughs> Uh, the uh, Hall's generation finds itself caught in the middle with an obligation to hold on to those treasured objects. We feel a bit like a yo-yo, she says. We live with the memory of our mothers saying, now don't you get rid of that, that's very valuable. And we remember that long after they're gone, and then we try to pass on that same value to our children. Now there are, I mean, you can see how different generations deal with this, right? A lot of people are saying, yeah, you got to hold on to this, hold on to that. And we attach these emotional things to it. I don't know if millennials will always be the way we think millennials are going to behave about this stuff. They may yet find they're holding on to something else down the road. Right, right. I, I do hear that frequently though, that, you know, my kids don't want my stuff. And, and I think it can be quite, it can be quite unsettling to people who feel like, well, there's value in this, or this is a beautiful piece of antique furniture. Only to find out your kid's like, nah, you can just give it to someone else. <laughs> well, oh. we're, we're, we're going to um, we're gonna move here, shift a little bit and not leave you hanging because we do have some how-tos about changing this whole dynamic. And there's a great article here. Uh, it's actually too much to cover in one show, but it's all about how to declutter your home. And it quotes one, one person, again, who's a, a pro in this area. Uh, and she says, uh, her name is Laura Kinsella. She says, decluttering is all about honoring who we are in the now. Oftentimes when we go through items and try to make room, we get stuck with the idea of who we were in the past or who someone else was in the past. This, uh, this could show up as a hobby we've outgrown. Say it's a pair of pants that are less than flattering, or um, maybe it's something else that reflects uh, that, or that doesn't reflect our current wants and needs. So there's a lot here to, to try to uh, cram into the remainder of the show, but we're going to give you some really important things to start with. In, in this article, it talks about how to start decluttering in three steps. And what's number one? The number one step is to set a timeline and have some goals. Before you get started, make a plan. No matter how much clutter you have to sort through, starting with specific goals will help you reduce frustration and roadblocks. Now, here are a few things to consider as you start decluttering. Write down or draw a map of all the rooms and clutter hot spots. Oh, my God. This is want. like nuclear waste. Yeah, Bob, I don't know. Our houses are lighting up completely, I think, from space, right? Um, so then you want to give each space a grade based on the severity of clutter to help you prioritize your time. For example, on a scale of one to three, three being the most cluttered, our particularly messy room or closet would get a three. 
I, I wouldn't get hung up on the numbering. Basically, do this as fast as you can. And, and <laughs> it's almost like an aesthetic thing, right? Some people uh, will flinch if they see a certain scary thing in a movie. Maybe people don't like snakes, so they don't like bugs. You open up a closet, take your immediate emotional reaction, and attach a number to it. That's a one, yeah. two, or three. Right. And it's really important, and I, I find this to be very true, to just tackle one room or one space at a time. I think we can get so distracted. You know, maybe we empty out a closet. And then we take it somewhere else and then we see that that closet's a mess too. And then you start digging in and then before you know it, it's, you know, an even bigger, you know, challenge. Set completion dates for each phase of your cleanup and choose timelines that are attainable. Creating a declutter challenge for yourself that feels like a game can help you avoid frustration throughout the process. But what if you fail at the game? <laughs> Doesn't that have a psychological impact? Oh, sorry. I'll stop. I'll stop whining now. <laughs> fail at the game. What if I fail at the game? I think many people probably feel like they have failed at the game, but you just start again. So plan out time to work on specific areas when you expect decluttering to take longer than a few hours, such as the basement or garage. Now, according to uh, Jamie Horde, who's the founder of, of Horderly, that's an interesting thing. It's an interesting uh, last name. Horde. Well, yeah. No pun intended. Get it, but Horderly then, I, you know, orderly and Horde. Very interesting. It, it, it is. The timeline you set will depend on the size of your rooms and your home and the number of items you have in each. But if you are trying to declutter room by room, a very realistic and attainable goal is to work through one room each weekend. Okay, Bob, we're booked. <laughs> we are booked through 2021. <laughs> yeah, the next year. There's no euchre. Yeah. There's they, there's no socializing. Do they, they say one room per weekend? I'm thinking maybe one room per month in some cases. I, yeah. yeah. Okay, so what's another big thing that people need to do? Timelines and goals are important, but what else is important? You need to create a sorting system. As you go through the rooms in your home, you'll need to set up a system for sorting the items you find. Now, you can create your own method or use this popular three-box method. The three-box method forces you to make a decision item by item and avoid making a bigger mess than the one you started with. I'm sorry I'm laughing, but this is so true of all of us. Gather three boxes or storage bins and label them as keep, get rid of, and put in storage. Use these three decluttering tips to sort your items. One thing I'm going to throw in here, and, and I think it may come up in some of our additional content, is that it often helps to have somebody who's not as connected to the stuff you're trying to get rid of. And you give those people some basic guidelines. And you say, if it's anything like this, absolutely keep it. Okay, so at least I get another shot at it, another review. And if it's if it's not in that criteria, then it goes into some of these other categories, which we'll discuss with you here in a minute. The other way you can do it is try it yourself and then have somebody else go through it on the tail end and have them go, are you serious? Did you really want all of this in the keep box? And I think a lot of spouses go through that second thing that you just talked about. Like, <laughs> well, it's, you know, Or the first, like, are you serious? Well, or, they show it with the garage sale, right? The, the old thing from college that the guy suddenly finds put out in the driveway and he's like, what are you doing? I wanted to hold on to that. Yeah, yeah. We all have our personal stories where the, you know, our spouse like gets rid of things, right? Or thinks you don't need it, but it might be important to you. So the first box, keep, okay, is these are the items that are useful in your daily life. Keep that in mind. Useful in your daily life. Empty this box after you complete each space, putting the items in their newly designated places. Ideally, these things should be stored neatly in containers or drawers or labeled. So you're keeping stuff you're actually going to engage with over the coming year. And so the next box is the get rid of box, items that you no longer have a use for. 
empty this box after you complete each space and decide whether you'll donate or throw each item away. Store any items you're giving away or selling outside the home, either in the vehicle they'll be transported in or in a storage bin in the garage that you will eventually get rid of. And then you put a skull and crossbones across the top of them so that nobody opens them. It's like something out of an Indiana Jones movie. You just don't ever open this box once it's in there. Right. Now, the other thing is you can put in storage certain seasonal or sentimental items. It's important to have some boxes that are, I mean, if you're not going to engage with it daily and you're not throwing it out, you do have certain things you're not going to be around or touching every day. I, I actually do this. Yeah, so you put things into storage containers after you complete each space and you label each storage container or even drop an inventory sheet and tape it on the top. Neatly stack them in a designated storage area. Now for me, that's an area that my husband doesn't think he likes my stuff in that area, but <laughs> I think it works out really well. Some other ideas from this wonderful <laughs> article are to purge your house of the clutter. And there's several ways you can do this. You can donate it, of course. There are plenty of places like St. Vincent de Paul and Goodwill and other church organizations and so forth for, do for donating things. You can recycle if you are uh, concerned there about the environment and want to be able to recycle and have stuff turned into other useful products in the, uh, the economy. You can do that. You can have a garage sale. Yeah. Right? Yeah. If you want to make some money off of your sure. clutter, you can host a garage sale. And then there are companies that do what? You can just rent a dumpster and throw everything out the window. I mean, not everything will be in good enough shape to donate or sell. So renting a dumpster is an affordable, stress-free option if you have a lot to get rid of. You could do basically a, a donation pile and a dumpster pile. And boy, oh boy, once you've paid for the dumpster and it's sitting in your driveway, there's an impetus to say, I'm, I'm getting rid of the junk. It's going here or here, and it's going there fast. Right. We've got a lot more. Stick around. You're listening to There's a Season on AM 1290 and 95.7 WHIO, Dayton's News and Talk. It's our Ask the Expert weekend on the Miami Valley Radio Station with breaking news, weather, and traffic. 1290 and 95.7 WHIO, Dayton's News and Talk. It's an Ask the Expert weekend on Dayton and Springfield's 24-hour news, weather, and traffic station, 1290 and 95.7 WHIO, Dayton's News and Talk. Welcome back to There is a Season. I'm Bob. And I'm Gloria. We're talking about getting rid of it. Get rid of, not your husband. No, no, not your wife. Don't. We're talking about your stuff. We're we said about, it, not him or her. That's true. That's true. Uh, we're, we're trying to get your houses unencumbered. We're trying to give you a life of freedom here. And we've got some great tips yet to go. What's another one that people can think about when trying to declutter? Okay, so you want to follow this 80-20 rule. 80% of the time, we generally only wear 20% of the clothing that we own. This rule tends to be true for other things as well, such as video games, computers, all your electronics, books, DVDs, toys, and more. Your mission is to get rid of the things you don't use 80% of the time. That's, that seems so simple. I don't know why it's so hard. Uh, another thing is to forget about sunk costs, things that you've already put money into and just write it off. Businesses have to do it all the time. Don't worry about the things that you've invested money in. Think about, are you using it? If it's not part of your daily life, if it's not part of your weekly life, get rid of it. Move it on. Right. What's another one? Check to see if the item works. I mean, if something doesn't function properly, get rid of it. And if you want to fix it and are confident in your skills to do so, then fix it right away. Otherwise, it will continue to sit unused, collecting dust. Like many of the things in my garage. Uh, think of the last time you needed it. If you've come across something you haven't used in the last six months, 
And it's not a seasonal type thing like, you know, decorations or something for the, the, the lawn and garden. You should probably just get rid of it. If you pulled out an item and said, I've been wondering where this thing was. Well, you're only wondering at that moment, right? You really weren't wondering that much. You obviously didn't miss it enough to warrant keeping yeah. it, right, Bob? Yeah. So also track which items that you actually use. Follow this useful decluttering tip for clothing, books, and DVDs. Over the course of a year, when you use or wear an item, Put it back facing the opposite direction of the others. This allows you to see what you've used and what you haven't. Ask yourself if you love it. It might seem obvious, but sometimes we keep things that we're not totally crazy about. Mm. So you can like a lot of things. You can like it for all those emotional reasons. You put money in it. You inherited it from so-and-so. If you don't love it, then mark it as soon to be departed from your home. Right. And sleep on it. I like this one because once you've made the decision to get rid of all of your home's clutter, sleep on it. And if there's anything you can't live without... You'll know by the morning. You can just then go pull it out of the junk bin and put it away where it belongs. Start with small projects that feel big, right? If you're feeling overwhelmed, as Gloria said earlier, start small. Start with a pile of paper that needs to be uh, dispatched. Then maybe move on to a file cabinet that needs to be emptied out or a closet. Start small. Get the accomplishments. a little like Dave Ramsey when he talks about saving money. Start with something you can get a win on and then move on from there. Right. I like this one. Clear off flat surfaces, countertop shelves and other flat surfaces are just clutter magnets. And if you need to keep a few things on your counters, that's okay. But you need to make it a goal to free all surfaces of most clutter. And I'd also suggest you keep like things together. That helps to cut down on all that brain stress of trying to categorize like you're the Library of Congress. Where is all my junk? Or find things. If you need a tool, you know, right where to go. Oh my gosh, my my family's always reminding me of that. I have projects and tools sometimes left all over the place. Yeah. So if you'd like to learn more about any of these articles, what could you do? You can write to us at bobandgloria at thereisaseasonshow.com. And we will be happy to point you toward them. We've got some great shows coming up on critical thinking, on the American melting pot, and also some discussion about COVID-19 vaccinations. To everything, there is a season and a time to every purpose under the heaven. For Gloria Shanahan, ever organized, and you really are. Thank for you. our producers and everyone who makes the show possible, we thank you for spending some time with us. You've been listening to There is a Season on AM 1290 and News 95.7 WHIO. Have a blessed week. It's our Ask the Expert weekend on the Miami Valley radio station with breaking news, weather, and traffic. 1290 and 95.7 WHIO. Dayton's News and Talk.